Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, psychologist, relationship coach, attachment theory expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, author of Love Magnet and Athletic Wear Connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract to healthy relationship. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. Buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Hello, hello. It's your host, Dr. Morgan, and I have a juicy episode for you today. This is actually a sneak peek into one of our group coaching calls. So a live group call from our Empowered Secure Love program. Typically, only members of the program have access to this, but this call was so good. I wanted to make sure that it was available to you all. And it goes into even some of my own really vulnerable personal stuff. And it's all about father wounds and some other topics as well, including fantasy relationships, which I love that topic. So many of us need to be reminded of what is a fantasy relationship and how do we avoid them and get out of them. So there's just some really great topics in here. And I know this was one that had me in tears, I think just from the vulnerability and what was being shared. It's pretty common. I cry on the coaching calls with people. I mean, based on the kind of work that we do. So anyways, I know you're going to love this episode. I hope you enjoy it. And of course, if you get some extra value out of this and you know you've just been on the fence, you're just waiting for a sign, this is your sign. This is the best time to do the work on yourself before we're in 2024, before you're sitting there on New Year's Eve wishing things had been different for you. You can get a head start now. I want to encourage you if you've been thinking about the Empowered Secure Love program, this is a great time. We have our triple four Black Friday offer. People are loving it. You get the Boundaries audio course at no additional cost. That's totally free to you. You also get a hand-selected swag box from me, including a hat that says boundaries are hot. It's my favorite hat. I'm wearing it all the time. It was designed by me. You get a journal that says I am empowered. I am secure. I am loved. And it's a journal for you to use. And you also get a bracelet that says I am enough because we always need to be reminded of that affirmation in particular. So this amazing swag box, not to mention a discount on the program, $400 off of the program. You guys, this is our best offer ever. Like seriously, I I'm not like, that is not a sales thing. I'm just being honest with you. This is our best offer. So if you've been on the fence, I want to encourage you, please. This is the time. Prioritize yourself, prioritize your healing. Myself, my incredible team of coaches, we are committed to serving our clients at the highest level, the results that we get are not typical. I can tell you, I mean, I know the other coaching programs. I know a lot of the other relationship coaches in this space that I could tell you that our clients receive transformation at a deeper level than is typical. 
And I love it. I love it. We have helped over 500 people stop waiting for it to be your turn. Decide it's time. Decide you're not going to be stuck in the cycle of painful relationships. You're not going to be devaluing yourself. You're not going to just postpone your most important part of your life, finding your person. Decide that now is the time you're going to focus on it. And you can apply to the program using the link in the show notes or my Instagram bio, head over to Instagram. There's a link there to apply as well. You'll have a conversation with one of our program advisors. They'll answer any questions you have and see if the program is a good fit for you. I hope you love this episode as much as I love it. And I would love to know your feedback. You can always shoot me a message on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching, but enjoy this episode talking about father wounds and take some notes, take it all in. And of course, since I don't get to say this at the end of this clip, I'm going to say it now. I am wishing you as always high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk to y'all soon. Enjoy the episode. So I wanted to talk about some really good topics today. We're going to dive into father wounds. Cause last time on our last call, I talked about mother wounds. We're going to talk about the father wound. We're going to talk about intellectualizing. Cause that's actually come up a lot with a lot of clients. So I think anybody can benefit from us talking about that and then fantasy relationships and what are they? How do we get into them and how do we get out of them? So some really, really good topics. I do want to just do a little meditation with us before we dive in. You all know I like to do that. So I want to invite you, wherever you are, to just breathe deeply into your stomach all the way down. Roll your shoulders back. Shake it out. Close your eyes if you're able to. Place your hand over your heart. If that feels good, whatever helps you really connect to your inner experience. Today, I want us to really practice internalizing some affirmations together. And we're going to focus on self-worth. So we're going to give ourselves some affirmations, some truths that we really needed to hear as children. And for a lot of us, maybe we didn't hear these things. So we're going to really practice on just internalizing those now, showing up as our ideal parent so that we can really take in what we needed to hear. So deep breaths. And I just want you thinking about how would I speak to myself? What's my facial expression? What's my tone? If I'm showing up as my ideal parent and I'm really loving myself and I'm really, really there for myself, what does that look like? What does that feel like? So hand over your heart, deep breaths. Like I said, we're just going to give ourselves some really empowering affirmations so you can just say these out loud after I say them, or you can say them in your head. But we're going to go through some really empowering affirmations for self-worth. 
So we'll start with, I am enough. I am worthy of love. I am doing enough. I am worthy of effort. I am worthy of being heard. My values, my preferences, my wants, my needs, my boundaries are all important. I am deserving of speaking my truth. I take up space comfortably. I add value to relationships. I'm worthy of being known. I'm worthy of being chosen. I am worthy of love. I am confident in who I am. I love myself. I honor who I am. I set boundaries that feel good to me. I am a unique human being. There's no one quite like me. It is a joy getting to know me. I am enough. I am doing enough. I am worthy of love. Now I want you to pick one that really stuck out to you. And maybe it's just that I am enough or I take up space, pick an affirmation that just really stood out to you. And I want you to just repeat it to yourself, whatever it is that you need to hear, or maybe it's one that I didn't say, but I want you to just pick an affirmation and repeat it to yourself and really allow yourself to take it in. And then just give yourself some gratitude for showing up. Breathe deep. Remember that this is available to you at any time. You can always tune in and show up as your ideal parent anytime. Take one last really deep breath. Let it all out. And then just slowly come back to the room. It's interesting for me, I'm curious in the chat what ones really stood out to you. As when I asked you to pick one, the one that actually came up for me is my worth is not defined by my achievement. Because, like so many high achievers, there was a for a long time that I connected my worth to my achievement or my ability to be productive or get a doctorate or whatever it was, right? Like 
my worth was connected to my achievement. So what I found myself saying was, um, my worth is not defined by my achievement. So I'm curious what ones really resonated for you all. Um, and I wanted to talk about those. I wanted you to do those affirmations specifically because we're talking about the father wound. Okay. So the father wound is different than the mother wound. And what ends up happening with the mother wound, as we talked about last time I was with you all, is a lot about not feeling emotionally safe. So with the mother wound, we're really lacking safety with our emotions and we can get really cut off from emotional processing. With the father wound, it is more about being chosen, being good enough, self-confidence, right? The father wound is so connected to self-worth, um, to fear of rejection, to not being good enough, to not being deserving of love. There's a lot of that with the father wound. So mother wound, a lot of times is about emotional safety and validating of emotions. Father wound more about confidence and being able to go out in the world and feel good enough and feel that we're worthy of being chosen. So some of what that meditation that we just did, we were showing up for ourselves as our ideal father, right? Like we're talking specifically about self-confidence. So we're, we're showing up as that ideal father in that meditation that, that we did. Um, so I see these coming in, the ones that resonated with you. Kayla said the one that resonated was I am doing enough. Yep. The higher, the high achiever worry. Absolutely. Miranda, I am enough. I am doing enough. Yep. My worth is not depicted by my achievements. Absolutely. Sam, I'm worthy of being chosen. Having come from a family of addication. I, oh, I think addiction is what that is meant to say. Like what word do I not know that word? Um, I always wanted to be chosen over the drug of choice. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. When we are children of alcoholics, children of addiction, that is a form of neglect. So there's a lot of internalizing there about not being enough, right? So we're getting some insight here into our father wounds. And what, what I want you to really realize about the father wound is that was your that was your template for a relationship, right? For a lot of us, like that, that was our template for a relationship. So this is creating the foundation of what you believe to be true about men. If you, um, you know, about relationships in general, and <clears throat> this is a lot of, for a lot of you, the foundation of repetition compulsion, right? If I have the father that is absent or where there's neglect or simply a father who is not curious in getting to know me. So the father wound doesn't have to come from physical abuse or there probably doesn't have to be. I mean, I know there doesn't have to be anything that would be obvious to someone outside. There can be the emotional wounding of feeling internally that. I was not important to this person. I was not 
understood. I don't know how many of you relate to this, but I remember growing up and even, and I get emotional thinking about this, still working on my father wound. Um, Even as a young kid, like five, six years old, I would go to my dad and I would purposely talk about stuff that I thought he was interested in. So it wasn't even about like what was going on in my world or things that had happened to me at school. It was like, how can I talk to my dad about the Beatles or how, how could I talk to him about um, playing bass? He loves to play bass. And even as a young little girl, I started to filter myself and become a chameleon and try to show up in ways that would get his attention and and things that he cared about. So I think we have to really realize how young this can start and, and just really realizing that it's not always abuse. Like it's not, it's not that maybe you, you were called names or that, even if if your father was physically present, maybe he was physically there, but the wounding can come from lack of curiosity about who you are, lack of wanting to tune into you, right? Like we talk about healthy parenting. So much of it is attunement and curiosity, genuine desire to know you, right? So I think that's where a lot of the wounding can come from. Something that it's hard to put words to. And I know that you all understand me. And I, you know, I appreciate Hetty, um, you saying you can relate, Sarah. Yep, Sarah says I didn't feel seen by my dad. I didn't feel like he was curious about me. And when he did see me, I was often rejected. Yep. So I tried to earn good grades, walk on eggshells, and be a good kid. Absolutely. Yes. And if we're not careful, if we don't do this work, right, if we don't realize these wounds, what do we do? We pick partners who are emotionally unavailable, who, who cannot, who cannot see us, who are not curious about getting to know us because we're repeating the patterns. It's, it's repetition compulsion, right? Yeah. Sabrina says, I used to go help my dad at work just so I could spend time with him. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of us, when we start to look at these wounds, we can, we can realize how from a young age, we were contorting ourselves or becoming a chameleon and trying to do whatever we could do to have the father's attention because what that symbolizes, this goes all the way back to young philosophy and archetypes the father's attention symbolizes to us that we're good enough, that we're, that we're worthy of being chosen. Right. So this plays out in so many ways, right? It's like, if you don't have that from your dad, then guess what? All the social situations you go into school, work, et cetera, you have the belief of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of people's time. People don't want to get to know me. That's where people pleasing comes in self-abandonment. This is the core for, for so much, right? It's these, these 
parental wounds, the father and the mother wound. And if you're, if you're lucky, like me, you have both, right? Like we've talked about this where I think for a lot of us, we can experience both the mother wound, lack of emotional safety. And that's more about relationship with yourself. And then also the father wound of how you relate to others and feeling that you're not good enough and that other people are above you. Right. So you can, you don't, you don't have to just have one or the other. You can have both the father and mother wound. Um, and I think one of the things I wanted to talk about is forgiveness too, because as you're, as you're going through repetition compulsion and you're writing letters for a lot of us, our, our father is going to come up in that. I think I've talked a lot about how that certainly came up for me and we have to be able to say, this was my experience. Here's all the emotions that I had to not express, right? Like me as a child, you as a child, any children who are growing up and they're being neglected or, you know, they're, they're not getting the emotional care that they need. You can't just rebel and say, hey, I don't feel heard and seen by you. I don't feel important to you. As a child, number one, we don't have the language. And number two, we rely on the connection with parents for survival. This is like back to, you know, we look at evolutionary psychology. We need bonds for survival. So as children... We're focused on maintaining the relationship so we don't allow ourselves to see the way that we're being hurt or the way that our needs are not being met. So we have to remember this. There's a lot of things that get repressed, right? Because we just have to maintain the connection. So as you're doing repetition compulsion, it's really important to just be open to, well, hey, go back to my five-year-old self or my six-year-old self and what was that like, you know, when my dad didn't show up at my soccer games or uh, when no, no grade was good enough or, you know, my dad never knew what was going on in my life. Like, go, go back to it. Feel it. Right. Like that's part of doing this work is actually allowing the emotional experience to be there so that we can move through it and so that we can let it go. After doing repetition compulsion work on myself, I I think some of you have heard me say this. I started having conversations with my dad. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is being honest with him about how I felt as a child. And one of the things I started to realize is my dad had so much um, pain from his own childhood And he had so many fears about not being a good enough dad. And he felt like he didn't want to bother me. He felt like if he was too involved in my life, that somehow he would mess me up. And this is something that happens a lot with avoidantly attached folks. And we don't often think about this, but there's a huge fear of I'm going to let you down as a partner. And a lot of times, same with a, emotionally unavailable dad a lot of times a lot of fear about i'm not good enough so then their own belief of i'm not good enough i'll i'll mess this up 
right? Whether it's conscious or not, maybe it's unconscious and they're just so focused on their work, right? Um, but that, that, that belief can actually be why they pull away. And that was something I would have never understood had I not spoken with my dad um, and fully heard his side of the experience. And trust me, I am not naive enough to think that everybody will be able to have a conversation with their parent. I know that's not possible. Some are no longer living. Some are unavailable for a conversation. But as you're doing repetition compulsion, I, I want you to just get out as much as you can or maybe go back and revisit it if you need to and really, really just say whatever it is that you would need to say without filter. Because I cannot stress enough how important it is to, to let go, right? To let go of whatever you had to believe in order to survive as a child, to maintain the bond, right? So as, as an individuated adult who's learning to self-soothe, who's learning to take care of herself, you now get to look back on childhood through adult eyes and you get to give yourself so much compassion and you get to tell the, the reality, the narrative that's based in reality, which is that you were always good enough. You were always worthy of love, right? And that your parents' capacity not being there, that, you know, your, your dad, your mom, their capacity being limited, the fact that they couldn't show up and give you what you needed means zero about your worth, right? So that's a lot of, and we can know this logically, and it's a whole different thing to emotionally internalize it. So that's my piece on the father wound. <laughs> I don't know if there's any questions about that, but I just wanted to really have us thinking more deeply and just realizing that connection between the father wound and confidence, right? The father wound and self-worth and how we're really working with, I am enough. I am worthy of love. I'm worthy of taking up space. My worth is not defined by my achievement, right? Um, really, really important work. And it, I want to actually go to my next topic, which is intellectualizing. So this is, this is a good, this is a good segue here. I want you to realize this intellectualizing is a defense mechanism and we will do it in order not to feel we also do it in order to justify other people's behaviors and not hold people accountable. So we do it to justify other people's behaviors and not hold them accountable. Right. And I actually um, have some things I wrote here about intellectualizing. So in, in intellectual intellectualization. Okay. It is a defense mechanism and what happens is we use reason and logic 
to avoid uncomfortable or anxiety provoking emotions. And this is a useful way to explain and understand negative events. And it, what happens is it will transform something. So something that's happened to you, trauma, et cetera, abandonment, neglect, whatever, a breakup. If we're in, intellectualizing, we'll transform something that is deeply emotional and we'll turn it into something that is non-emotional. And we do it through the use of conscious thought processes right? We use our intelligence and our brain. So essentially it's keeping you in your head and away from your heart, away from your emotional experience. And here's what I know, myself included, right? Like my very intelligent women, it's like every, all of you here, you have a ton of awareness, very intelligent, you know, all the terms. Okay. Um, it can be so easy to just stay in our heads, to intellectually tell a story without emotionally connecting and feeling the emotional impact, right? Like you notice I was getting emotional talking about my dad. I That was me actually connecting to the emotions of it. Like usually, you know, I could just sort of turn on the intellectualizing and just tell that story. But no, there's there's emotion there. So one of the things you really owe it to yourself while you're in this program, catch yourself when you're intellectualizing. Um, and I don't know if any of you heard my podcast with Kathleen today. She was a great example of like someone who highly trained therapist. Um, and she's obviously a coach in our program now. And she came in to the program, an expert at intellectualizing at just telling it like it is why this happened. Oh, they did this because they have an avoidant attachment style. Right. Um, and this happens to so many highly intelligent women. And then we actually miss out on the dropping into our bodies and the healing that can take place when we emotionally feel through things. Yes, Sarah, we intellectualize to make excuses for other people all the time. This was, you know, me and my relationship. This is an extreme example, but the relationship I had with a narcissist, it's like, oh, he um, had a highly critical mother and, you know, he was emotionally abused as a child. And that's why he's doing these things. I understand it. Okay. So, we have to be really careful of, even though we understand something that doesn't mean it's okay. Like you get to have standards, you get to have boundaries just because you understand why someone is doing it. That doesn't make it okay. So I think that's a really, really important distinction. And then this is really important. Like I said, for yourself, as you're going through the program to drop from your head, into your body, into your heart, because we do, we have to feel through things. And, and I'll tell you how to do it. Okay. <laughs> yes, Sabrina. Absolutely. I'm glad you asked that. That's exactly where I wanted to go. So 
when we're learning to really drop into our bodies, um, we have to create safety. So in order to feel our emotions and actually feel, we have to know that, okay, I trust myself. I know that I can feel this and I know that I've got my back, that I can support myself through this, that I will validate my emotions. I want you all to realize that one of the reasons you're not feeling is because it wasn't safe for you. If feeling wasn't safe, I'm not going to allow myself to feel. So a big precursor, like a requirement, if you will, in order to be able to feel, you have to create emotional safety. You have to know, okay, if I am angry, if I am sad, if I have feelings of regret or guilt or pain or shame, any big emotions that come up, I will hold space for myself. So what does this look like? I have some pro tips for you. You want to create environments that feel supportive. Um, in the therapy world, you know, we'll talk about like create a safe container. You have to create a safe container for yourself. So this could look like, and I know some of you, this might sound a little weird, but I feel like you'll, you'll know what I mean. Like it could be a really cozy blanket that you have. I have one of those like weighted blankets and there's something about it. It's super grounding for me. So if I know I'm like journaling about something really hard, I'm going to have my tea, my weighted blanket. I'm going to have some soft music playing. You have to create the environment that feels emotionally supportive. Okay. So that's step number one. And then step number two, this is really big is that instead of being critical, instead of being judgmental, when big emotions come up, you have to practice self-compassion, right? You're saying, I trust myself to show up compassionately. I trust myself to be my ideal parent. I will intentionally show up that way, right? And then I would say my third pro tip for you is to make sure that you have some self-soothing skills that you kind of know, okay, what are some of my self-soothing skills that I can do? I know you all have heard me talk about this. For me, it's a hot bath. Like there's nothing more that I, that I love after like a really tough day or if I'm feeling emotionally drained, I need a hot bath and I need to go to bed. Okay. So it's for you knowing what that is. For some of you, it might be going outside and taking a walk. Like that might be the thing that really brings you back to baseline. Um, but it's knowing it in advance. And so once you create the safety, then the emotional processing will come. If the safety's not there, you can't feel the emotions. So I want, I definitely want all of you to think about that. <clears throat> and why am I talking about this? Like I said, it's something I personally dealt with. Uh, I was telling some of you that, you know, I've done all the exercises that you all have done in the program. I've done them too. And guess what? I was someone who had to do exercises two to three times because the first times I did them, I was just in my head. I didn't drop into my emotions. So 
that might be you too. You might relate to that. Yeah. You know, just intellectualizing it, checking the box, being the good student, right? Like that's, that's how a lot of us approach it when we have to create the container for emotional safety so we can drop into our bodies. Okay. I hope that was helpful. Carolyn, I like this idea. Um, putting this video. Yeah, that's a great idea. We could link it to the repetition compulsion. That's really good. Sabrina, I hope that answered your question. Let me know if you have more questions, but I would say like, start with those things that I, that I suggested. And then Jennifer says, yes, get through it first. Then I have to redo it to get the right stuff out of it. Yep. Yep. That's how a lot of people end up going through the program is like the first time is kind of like that intellectual level. And then the next time you're feeling it on a deeper level, there are some people who come in and they're like, Hey, I am ready to feel. And they just dive in and they're, you know, they can go through it, but it's also really common to have to go through it multiple times. Yes. And lifetime access is so helpful. Okay, I have one more thing I want to talk about, and then I want to switch to questions because I, I really want to get to questions. So the final thing I want to talk about is fantasy relationships, fantasy relationships. Um, these are really comfortable for a lot of people, and fantasy relationships are relationships we build in our head. They're the ones that... We don't actually have the evidence over time. There's not actually stable, consistent, day-to-day -day connection. There's not real emotional vulnerability or emotional investment. Um, these relationships, you could still be in the same house. You could even be living together and you might be living a fantasy relationship. It's where there's not enough connection to actually create a real vulnerable relationship. Uh, these are oftentimes associated with avoided anxious dynamics. Um, and for a lot of us, they're comfortable. So if I am dating the emotionally unavailable person, right, I get to tell whatever story I want to tell about who they are or how they would show up, right? what the relationship would be like. So Carolyn, yes, you're talking about being in love with your therapist. Yeah. We, you know, in therapy world, we call that erotic transference. Um, I had many patients fall in love with me and then we have to talk about it in therapy. And it is, it's a fantasy relationship, right? So if we're with that person who's unavailable and we don't have enough connection, what does our brain do? It, feel, it fills in the dots of what it would be like. I remember countless times doing this. I'm sure you all can relate to it where you've spent so little time with someone. Like maybe you were dating somebody and you only saw them once every few weeks and you just don't have the data, but yet you're feeling all these butterflies and it's infatuation. You are in love, in love with a fake version of someone. You don't actually know who they are. You don't actually have data 
on who this person is. You don't know how they respond when you navigate conflict or when you both have a rough day or X, Y, Z, right? Like you don't actually have the data. So your brain then fills in, it fills in the missing pieces to whatever it wants it to be. So I think it's really important, really, really important to get good at reality testing, reality testing. Yes. Anxious avoidant was comfortable. Yes. Thanks, Keith Ann. And Carolyn, I want to um, just normalize what you said about having the, the transference with a therapist. That's so common, right? Um, myself, I experienced this of falling in love with my high school English teacher. I still, I don't talk about that a lot, but you all are in my community. And I can tell you, I was in love with a fantasy. I remember imagining what it would be like to you know, be with him. And and when we dated, we actually did date after high school. It was not while I was, it was years later. And there was a 13 year age difference. Okay. Um, but when I did actually date him, the reality was entirely different than what I had imagined when I was in high school. So this is another thing that happens with long distance relationships with long distance relationships it's so easy you just build the fantasy right you build the fantasy um so i want to encourage you get good at reality testing get good at being the love scientist gather the data remind yourself okay what do i actually know about this person what do i actually have evidence of right that's that's incredibly important. Um, and then it's also it's also this this realization of why is fantasy comfortable for me? Here's the thing I want you guys to get. You ready? Sometimes fantasy's comfortable because. So we actually unconsciously want to have a fantasy version of ourselves for our partner. So we maintain a fantasy version and that that, that actually feels so much more a really tough one for, for people to get, but I want you to think about that. Like what are the parts of myself that I'm not accepting? Why, what have I not accepted of myself that's causing me to feel more comfortable being someone else's fantasy, right? Like their version of what a fantasy relationship is. Kimberly, good question. Um, where does the fill in the blank come from? So it comes from this idea that we, when, when we don't actually have data on something and we really, we know like what kind of outcome we want. So like, let's say like, we know like, Hey, like I really do want marriage or I really do want a partner. And then if we don't have the data, 
our brains are just going to fill in whatever it is that we want instead of what the reality is. Our brains are, are really good at doing that. So um, realizing that if you don't have data on something, the brain's bias is to assume what it is that you would want to be true. So for example, you don't know how your partner navigates conflict, but you really like this person, but you've never had an argument with them. So maybe your brain is going to automatically assume, well, yeah, of course this person would navigate conflict well. Like, of course they're a good communicator. You know, we can talk about hard things and then you don't know until you actually have the conversation. So um, just human nature. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you tag me. It would mean the world to me if you took just a moment to leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this show grow, the more people will be able to help. Until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.